Porn Free Radio, episode 161. Masculinity, as we shall see, is not a thing to be learned, but rather a quality to be tasted or experienced. The masculine within is called forth and blessed by the masculine without. Leanne Payne, Crisis and Masculinity, page 11. Let's start the show. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach, and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. Well, welcome to Porn Free Radio. Today we are talking about inspired masculinity. I'm going to talk about what inspired masculinity is, why it's important, and why it's important for guys who want to go porn-free. And I'm happy you're here today. This is Father's Day uh, week in the United States. Now, if you've listened to Porn Free Radio um, for a while, uh, I started four years ago Uh, about this time of the year. And one of my first episodes, episode, uh, I think it's episode seven and eight, uh, were right around Father's Day. I actually did a Father's Day episode. Um, I did an episode that was called um, What What My Dad Didn't Tell Me About Porn or What My Dad Taught Me About Porn, which was nothing. And then I had a follow-up, a Father's Day follow-up. And so this is the follow-up to that four years later. And... um, You might be wondering what tasting masculinity (laughs) means or what uh, tasting inspired masculinity means um, and why it uh, relates uh, to Father's Day. And we'll get into that. Um, But I think today I really want to teach something that I haven't talked a lot about here on Porn for Radio, but I think is really crucial to understanding our struggle with porn and one of the reasons why it's a big blocker, a roadblock to us uh, really um, displaying the good gifts of the masculine. And, um, you know, masculinity gets a bad rap in our culture right now. Masculinity, I mean, there's is usually paired with the phrase toxic masculinity. Uh, we've seen you know, horrible abuses of masculine power displayed in, um, you know, the news and in all sorts of uh, cultural touchstones this last year. And so I don't want to discount that. Actually, part of real inspired masculinity is discerning the truth and having a commitment to it. So, you know, if someone comes out and says that they were abused or hurt, Uh, I want to take the time to discern the truth, even if it takes a long time, even if it's uncomfortable, because true masculinity is not scared of the truth, is not scared of looking bad. It's not scared of taking time and and being thorough, Um, you know, and uh, so I uh, I really think that our culture needs inspired masculinity. And I actually came up with a quote. 
Um, I had trouble finding a quote that that fit this uh, podcast. And uh, so I came up with my own quote. And it's this. We all have an intense longing for inspired masculinity. And um, you might think it's kind of cheating coming up with your own quote uh, for your podcast. But I think this is a universal principle uh, for guys that all of us have an intense longing for inspired masculinity. And look no further than the movies we love. Um, I just, uh, I had the pleasure this last week of sitting down with my boys and we started watching Band of Brothers. And if you've never seen this series, it came out, I think about 15 years ago on HBO And it's a 10-episode series that focuses on the end of World War II and a group of paratroopers who jump into Europe at different points and have these amazing battles. And uh, spoiler alert, if, uh, if you're listening and you're a German listener or a Polish listener um, or, <laughs> you know... Uh, <laughs> Uh, y- y- there's a lot of Germans who get killed in this, um, in this, in this uh, series, but it, it really, um, I don't know why I said that. It's, I, I was thinking about that earlier, that this podcast is not an American podcast. It, it kind of goes farther than that. But um, as you watch Band of Brothers, you see these guys um, coming together in, in, one of these like um, archetypical, I don't know if I'm saying this right, archetype type things, you know, this, the boot camp where there's all these sort of um, men who are, or boys essentially, you know, they're coming in raw and they're untrained and undisciplined. And over the course of episode one, through all their training, they start to become these, you know, these inspired, disciplined soldiers, you know, and we've seen this in so many movies where this ragtag group of guys comes together and forms this whole. And, um, and what's unique about this series is it takes 10 episodes. They're all an hour long to unroll, uh, to, to basically tell the story of this, um, sort of epic time in world war two uh, through the eyes of these different men. And one guy in particular uh, jumps out. His his name is Dick Winters. And uh, he just is this guy um, that oozes inspired masculinity. Um, he doesn't uh, drink in the beginning. He doesn't, he, he, he's not kind of prone to vices. They actually think he's like religious, like, um, they call him a Quaker at one point or a Mennonite. They think he's like a religious Christian. They might even think he's a pacifist. Um, but he continually takes the lead in situations that are frankly, completely scary. I mean, there's the one point where he creates a diversion and runs across an open field um, with the enemy right, uh, you know, on the other side of the field and, um, ends up, you know, shooting like dozens of guys and it's amazing, but all right, I'm getting off track. As I'm sitting watching this 
movie unfold, this miniseries unfold with my boys, I realized we're just all mesmerized by some of these guys on the screen. And I think it's deep down, every boy wants to follow a real man, wants to see that man who um, chooses the right things, who stands up, who fights, who is uh, worthy of trust and respect. You know, every boy longs to see uh, that kind of man. And so as we're watching Dick Winters and we're watching some of these other guys um, do these heroic things, watching normal men who are in extraordinary situations, we can't help but get excited. My youngest son is just just saying, when can we watch the next episode, right? He's, he's just, he's eager to watch it. And I think the reason why we all have an intense longing for inspired masculinity is in our world, we've been sort of served an empty inheritance. There is, um, if we're honest, you know, even if we had a dad who did the best he could, quote unquote, a lot of us were kind of missed by dad. Dad, you know, didn't initiate us. We were under-initiated. He didn't um, guide us. You know, one of the things that came out in that podcast that I did all those years ago, and uh, I think it's episode seven, you know, I didn't get any wisdom or guidance from my dad about pornography or masturbation. So when I became addicted, when I became compulsively acting out with it, I really felt lost. Uh, I, I felt very, I actually felt very foolish, but I didn't know how to ask for help. And my dad, by not saying anything, not speaking anything in to me, uh, left me feeling under initiated, under like not valued. And, you know, I think a lot of us had that a lot of us weren't taught as boys how to become men, real men. Um, there was kind of like a there was kind of like a gap. It's like we just had to figure it out. Uh, you know, some of us had poor role models in a father or a father substitute. You know, they're just that that man that was around just either wasn't very present or you know whatever withheld affection. Um, or just did maybe just didn't know what to say to us. And that led to other things, confusion of boundaries and sexual identity. You know, um, if we started taking our cues from our peers and from pornography and other things that we encountered, we start having confusion of like, what does it mean to be a man? We start maybe even embracing sort of false pictures of masculinity you know, whether it's the macho guy or whether it's the, the guy who has sexual conquests or whatever, we just start drifting and, you know, we're attracted to powerful men maybe, but maybe men that aren't um, particularly able to guide or help us. Uh, some of us experienced really challenging things with uh, the men in our life. Either they were inconsistent which led us to not trust men. 
Um, or sometimes they were frightening. You know, dad yelled or uh, we, uh, you know, were physically um, either disciplined or, you know, frankly abused. Uh, and that just led us to, to not trusting and, and uh, to, to being scared. You know, one other thing, too, that I, I realized that happened a lot in our homes growing up, and maybe this happened in your home, is there was either uh, a lack of authority uh, or a lack of nurture. It's like either... You know, dad might have been really, for example, you might have been in a house where dad really laid down the law, right? He was he was tough or he was really, you know, had this high standard that you never could meet. But there was no nurture, empathy. So when when something bad happened to you, when you struggled, dad was there with his his sort of authority and his standard, but there was no sense of empathy or love. Or maybe you had the dad that kind of enabled you or maybe was nurturing, maybe said he loved you, but didn't have any authority, wasn't particularly good at um, holding you accountable, wasn't particularly good at guiding or helping you with challenging situations. So he was there, but there wasn't very there wasn't much to him. There wasn't much substance. I remember one time I was on a ministry trip with my church, and the kind of church I go to um, would be considered charismatic. And so if you're not a Christian, this is hard to explain. But uh, one of the things that that was that we were known for is praying for people. And we would pray a lot, um, you know, where we would actually uh, talk to someone and, um, you know, actually lay hands on them and pray for healing. And we'd pray for healing for all sorts of things. We wouldn't just pray for healing of, um, you know, sickness or things like that. You know, the Bible talks about praying for the sick. Uh, We would pray for emotional healing, you know, where there were wounds or where there was uh, pain in people's lives. We would pray for those kind of guys or those people. So one time I'm on a ministry trip and I'm about 20 years old, 21. And I'm with my senior pastor and with some other team members. And uh, we're at a conference in Michigan. And our pastor speaks and then we have a prayer time where people can come up and ask for prayer for things that they're working on or things that they're dealing with or something that came up in the sermon that, that they sort of connected with. And so... I had this one guy come up, and he was probably twice my age, probably my dad's age. So I was a little intimidated. You know, here I am, 21 years old, and I'm going to pray for this guy. And and um, and I start praying for him. And I, I don't I don't ask him what to pray. I just kind of wait and see if there is something that kind of popped in my head or inspired. And all of a sudden, I have this idea that kind of jumped in my head that man, I think I need to pray that God would discipline this guy. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you've listened to Porn Free Radio a long time, you you probably haven't always heard me talk like this. But um, even for me, this is way out of, this is like kind of out of the box. 
first of all, I'm a 21 year old kid, pretty much, who's praying for someone in their 50s. And I'm going to pray that God disciplines them or that God maybe wants to discipline them. Right? So it's kind of crazy, right? And I kind of hem and haw on this and I decide, you know what? I'm just going to share it. You know, if it's, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If there's some, if God wants something to happen here, maybe, maybe this is some, the word that's going to be important to him, right? Maybe this is a prayer that he needs to hear. So I said, so I told him, this is kind of what jumped into my head when I started praying for you. And he started to cry a little bit. And he said, you know what? I never was disciplined growing up. My parents let me do anything I wanted. They were very permissive. And I just got this message that whatever I wanted was fine. But I'm 55 or 50 years old. I don't remember how old he was. But he said, I've, I've been married three times. And I've been divorced three times. And my life... is characterized by a lack of discipline. Now, a lot of times when we think of discipline, we think of something bad. We think, wow, this is, you know, the hammer coming down. Or we think of, we think of that authority without nurture, right? Just sort of ruthless punishment, right? But real discipline is for our benefit is for our good. It has authority, meaning there's boundaries, there's standards, but there's also nurture and empathy. There's a father who wants to guide and help us. And, you know, so that really broke that guy that, that, that when we prayed about that, it actually was a really good prayer time. There was like some cool stuff that got released there. Um, him sort of owning that he wasn't disciplined and asking God to come into that place where he didn't feel authority, where he didn't feel that boundary, where he didn't feel discipline, the discipline that would help him keep, keep him safe. Uh, the things that would help him grow as a man. Uh, the things that might help him actually commit and Uh, be able to be present and grow in a healthy relationship. You know, those things weren't there growing up. And so, you know, we, I believed that as we started praying that, that uh, God was creating an opportunity for, for that to come in. And so maybe that's part of your experience. Maybe you grew up in a place where there was permissiveness or you were kind of on your own, even if you had a, a dad or you had uh, parents who were had a lot of authority and had rules and my way or the highway kind of stuff, but deep down you really felt on your own. Uh, Henry Nowen, who is a, a priest uh, and a writer, a prolific writer who I've quoted a lot, one of his books, I, I, I wrote these notes in Evernote, and of course I didn't write which book this came from. Uh, I think it might be a book called The Wounded Healer. Henry Nowen mentioned something about this current generation. And this is the irony. 
when you read it, it sounds exactly like the generation we're living in right now in 2018. But if you look at when the book was published, it was like 1979. And he was talking about the the kind of 80s generation, you know, when I was a kid or and, you know, sort of young adults in the 80s. So I thought this was kind of funny because it really seems to symbolize, symbolize this now. But but um, Henry Nowen seemed to, to see the current generation around 1980 and saw you know, maybe a precursor to what we have now. And he said there were three things that that define this sort of younger generation that he saw. One, a preoccupation with self or inwardness. Two, fatherlessness. And three, convulsiveness. And what he meant by convulsiveness was very reactionary. Um, taking things in the one hand, almost being violent um, and reacting to things. So think about that. Uh, Henry Nouwen, you know, he says they're preoccupied with self and inwardness, their fatherlessness, their fa- there's a fatherless quality and a convulsiveness, very reactionary, just sort of doing whatever, reacting to things, reacting to life. And if you think about your struggle with pornography. I th- if I think about my struggle with pornography, what is it? Well, it's it's preoccupied with self and inwardness. It, yes, we uh, we sort of bond with this object, but you know we're in our private world. We're masturbating. We're kind of queuing up our fantasies. We're clicking and. And seeing, oh, what's going to get us excited? What's going to get us aroused? It's very self-focused. And then there's this idea of fatherlessness, you know? You know, I think about me and my struggle with pornography. My dad never told me anything about it. So when I got overwhelmed by it, I didn't feel like I had anybody to turn to. I didn't have... Uh, that inspired guy. I didn't have that Dick Winters type of leader to follow into this challenge. You know, I felt alone and on my own. And then this idea of convulsiveness. How many times, you know, have you resolved to not go back to porn? And then in the blink of an eye, you know, you get 10 minutes of, a, of an open opportunity, an open window. You know, you come home to an empty apartment or house. And the next thing you know, you're reacting as quick to that. It's zero to 60. You know, I remember coming home. My wife's out for the night. And I, and this is, this is going to date me, but I could not get that modem fired up fast enough. You know, the way we used to do it, we used to use a dial-up modem. You had to turn the modem on and it had to make a phone call and you'd hear it connecting and it would make this funny sound. And And I, I think Jason George and I were talking about this the other day, you know, make this sound. And I remember, you know, I couldn't click that button fast enough when I came home to an empty house. I was convulsive, just the, the empty house, the empty apartment 
caused this chain reaction into me and I was gone. So that's the current generation, right? So I want to read this quote uh, by Leanne Payne. I, 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 um, I, uh, I read, uh, I read a quote from the same page at the beginning of this podcast and she wrote this, another very, uh, person, she passed away the last couple of years, but she, uh, she was on this really early too, like crisis and masculinity, I think was written in the eighties. And she wrote, generally speaking, we now have generations of sons whose fathers for several generations back have been unaffirmed as men. The father who is unaffirmed in his own masculinity cannot adequately affirm the son in his. So the truth is, is we have a generation, we have generations of sons whose fathers and for maybe several generations, maybe all the way back to the greatest generation, that's what they call that World War II generation, there's a whole bunch of men who have had distant fathers, fathers who were preoccupied with self, uh, fathers who themselves grew up without boundaries, without fathers, fathers who were convulsive, right? We have generations of those guys now. And here's the truth that she really stump- she really focuses on here is this, you know, the father who's unaffirmed in his own masculinity can't adequately affirm the son in his. So, you know, if you're going through life still acting like that preoccupied, fatherless, convulsive teenager that you were when you first discovered porn, when you first discovered masturbation, if you're hiding, if you're um, still um, sort of coping with life, by retreating into your porn world. You can't hope right now to call out and affirm your son and his masculinity because you're, you're, you yourself are, um, are lost. That might be a hard thing to hear, but I think it's worth thinking about, you know, that this, This issue is not just a porn issue. It's not just, you know, a lot of Christian guys focus on the moral failure part of this. Like they want to make this a moral thing. It's not just a moral thing here. It's an epidemic. And it's like Leanne Payne's, you know, her phrase, it's a crisis in masculinity. If men are walking around preoccupied with self, inwardness, with no fathers, no, no men in their lives who are helping them, no guiding them, if they're just acting reactionary, convulsive, then, you know, that's a, that's a sad comment on where we're at. You know, I say a lot, you know, the quote of... Um, from t- Tony Robbins, winners anticipate, losers react. You know, when we're convulsive, when we're reactionary, we're, we're, we're not really seeing the bigger picture and we're ignoring uh, 
the call. We're ignoring the call to step up. So what are some things that get in the way of us really um, growing as men? What are some things that are roadblocks to masculinity for us? And let me, let me share a few of them here. Standing alone. That's a big one right there. You know, the biggest lie ever perpetuated on men, I think, is this idea that a real man goes it alone. And, you know, the interesting thing about uh, the American culture is, is, you know, there's all these archetypes of men who sort of are on their own saving things, you know, one that comes to mind is Bruce Willis and uh, Die Hard, you know, where he single-handedly saves this, you know, this, this you know, foils this uh, terrorist plot. And there's all sorts of movies like that, this lone hero type. Now, that's one of the reasons I love Band of Brothers is there's a lot of men doing different things, you know, coming together. Yeah, there's some significant leaders in that group, but they're not standing alone. So that's one roadblock, continuing to stand alone. And especially in recovery, that's a huge roadblock. If you're still trying to do this on your own, that's really, it's, I just don't think it's possible. Here's another one. Our worth is in doing. This is the trap that tons of guys fall into, right? Our worth is in, in what we do. Um, and so when we fail, when we have a setback, when things don't go our way, when we get laid off, we have a big emotional crash and it's hard to walk in inspired masculinity if all our worth and our value comes from exactly what we do, because the moment that we can't compete The moment we lose a step in the pickup basketball game, we get depressed and we get hopeless. Here's another roadblock. Constantly seeking father's approval. How many guys do you know that are always have this bent thing about trying to get dad's approval? There's other stuff, uh, similar work addicts. You know, if you're a workaholic, if you're bound to accomplishment. How about this one? Here's another one that gets in the way of inspired masculinity, being heartless or disconnected. You know, this is a big challenge, I think, when you were struggling with porn. Here's another one, compartmentalizing. How many of you guys have cultivated a compartmentalized life? You know, on one thing, uh, one hand, you're going to church and you're being a great guy and you're serving people and loving people and caring. And then and then you have this secret porn life where you're just, you know, completely doing something hypocritical. That's that compartmentalization. And we do that in other things, too. We we um, we are disconnected. We don't our inner life doesn't always match what we show people. Here's another roadblock. And this is this is why we have porn free radio. We're prone to addiction. 
you know, when our worth starts becoming in what we do and we're trying to st- trying to go it alone, uh, when we're bound but trying to get approval from others, and when we don't things don't go our way, it's painful. And so that's why we start getting prone to addiction. And what follows that? When we get kind of hooked into addiction uh, and we're, we're upset, we're resentful about how life's going, it becomes really easy to become entitled. So just think of all these things. This is, this is, these are just roadblocks to us really stepping up as men. Uh, but there's, it's so much about why we don't step up in recovery. You know, we're trying to hang on to the idea that we can do this alone. We're trying to hang on to our worth is in doing. Why do you think people are so obsessed with their day count in some recovery groups? You know, it's because they want to get their worth by, you know, having 90 days. And hey, I think 90 days is a great accomplishment. But if that's how you get your worth, the moment you have a slip, the moment you realize your plan isn't perfect, you start to become hopeless. And um, so here's a few other roadblocks. Um, As I said before, being fatherless, you know, having sort of that lack of guidance, not, not knowing where the boundaries are, that's a problem. Uh, cultivating a false identity, like false masculine strength, you know, being, you know, trying to make it seem like you're better than you are. Um, That can be a a roadblock to real inspired masculinity. Here's another one, fear of the masculine. You know, some guys go one of two ways. Uh, When you, when a guy powers up or your dad kind of is, is a tough guy or something, you know, some guys get stronger and some guys say, Nope, don't want any of that. I'm going to reject that. I'm going to be the opposite of that. That comes from a fear, you know. And we detach from what we fear. We detach from men who we fear will shame or overpower us. And so, you know, that can be a that can be something that help, you know, that that blocks us from inspired masculinity. Here's another one, avoiding responsibility. That's one. You know, it's hard. You cannot step up as a man if you're blaming and avoiding responsibility. Here's another one, last one. I know these are a lot, and you're probably wondering, where are you going with this, Matt? But I'm going to bring this in for a landing. I think think you're going to get something out of this. Here's one more. Guys sometimes lose their sense of power because there's confu- they confuse power with anger. You know, because dad was angry or dad misused his power. When we get angry, we try to deflect our anger because we're worried about over- being overpowering. And so we don't let people see our anger. And when you hide your anger, it comes out in, in other ways. And I'll bet you that if you don't get angry very often, if you're not really aware of what makes you angry, I bet 
that one of the reasons why you're overpowered by porn at different points, why you're convulsively going towards porn in a reactionary way where it's like zero to 60, I bet you that anger's involved. Resentment. That's where entitlement a lot of times comes from. It's, it's, it's a need isn't met and you're angry about it and you're ferocious about trying to get it met, taking things into your own hands. It's the convulsive part. It's usually always from anger. You know, when we're sad and depressed or bored, yeah, sometimes we're tempted. You know, sometimes we start dabbling. When we're fearful or anxious, sometimes, yeah, we fire up the computer and we want to feel secure. But if you've ever just said, screw it, I'm acting out, I'm going to take, I'm going to really go for it tonight. Nine times out of 10, it comes right from a place of anger. And that can be scary. And when we confuse power and anger and all those kinds of things, what, what ends up happening is we start, to, we start to avoid anything that feels powerful. So here's the good news. And this, this comes back from, uh, from Leanne Payne. She says, when men are healed, the healing of women will naturally follow. There's an important reason for this. It's the father or father substitute who affirms sons and daughters in their sexual identity. And therefore, because gender identity is a vital personhood itself as persons. So all right, that was kind of a clunky sentence. But what she's basically saying is, here's the good news. When you start to get some healing, when you start getting rid of these roadblocks, start moving towards inspired masculinity. Start embracing the man that you were created to be. The healing of women naturally follows. The healing of, of, of not just women, but sons and daughters, families. And the reason for this is as you start to heal and start functioning as uh, a whole masculine uh, um, man, you're able to affirm and call out the good in your sons and daughters. You're able to call them out in their identities you're able to actually speak into their lives. You're able to engage with your children, help them clarify their boundaries and identities, be consistent and kind. You're able to provide both authority and nurture. So, you know, if right now your family is kind of a mess, your wife is hurting because of your porn addiction, your kids are kind of all over the place, even if they're little, there's problems, there's challenges. The good news is as you pursue recovery, as you take responsibility, as you forsake, well, that's a very, very Christian word there, as, as you sort of 
deny some of these false ways of doing things, standing alone, getting your work from doing, compartmentalizing, going back to addiction, feeling entitled, avoiding responsibility. As you let go of those things, your family, people in your life, the healing of them will follow. Because it's that father, that that whole father who calls out the good in the men in his life and and the women and the sons and daughters. Let me read that quote that I started the episode with. Masculinity, as we shall see, is finally not a thing to be learned, but rather a quality to be tasted or experienced. The masculine within is called forth and blessed by the masculine without, meaning... The masculine in all of us, even as I'm talking to you right now, is called forth and blessed by the masculine without. As I'm as I'm talking to you right now, you, you might some some of this might be connecting with you, and that's good because that means that I'm functioning in inspired masculinity, meaning I'm trying to help you. Uh, get some clarity around this idea. And if I can get help you get some clarity here, then that can help you start to walk in inspired masculinity and help those in your life. So let me give you some quick ideas of what inspired masculinity is. Here's a couple of things. Discerning truth and a commitment to it. Yeah, I started the episode by talking about, you know, in our culture right now, this Me Too thing is really big. And some of these, some of these um, famous men who have been caught abusing power. And, and even worse, there's been some people who have tried to enable or hide some of their behavior. Well, inspired masculinity says, you know what? Discerning truth is important and we need to commit to it. We need to really dig in to what the truth is, no matter what. Um, Dick Winters in, in um, Band of Brothers, he got into a, uh, an altercation with the superior officer. The, this, uh, I think his name was Lieutenant Sobel. And Lieutenant Sobel didn't like the way Dick Winters handled something and maybe he was jealous of him and he um, tried to get him to do something different and something against um, what Dick Winters thought was right. And Dick Winters asked for a court martial. He wanted to go before the court and plead his case rather uh, than, than... um, not stand up for what he thought was right. Uh, he wanted to, he was committed to having the truth come out and felt like, uh, even though it might have been bad for him, he was re- willing to go through a court martial, uh, a military trial, in order for the truth to come out. 
So discerning truth and commitment to it, that's a big one. Here's another one. Recognizes weakness and the authority, and authority comes out of this place. You know, the old way of not showing weakness and just being, just manning up, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the old way uh, to be masculine. I, I don't trust guys like that. I don't trust guys who don't show some weakness, don't show some vulnerability. Yeah, I love this quote, never trust a pastor without a limp. You know, the pastors that are so squeaky clean and everything just seems too perfect, I don't, I don't want to follow them. I don't believe that they know anything. I don't, I don't believe that they uh, have much to show me because I don't understand how they don't struggle with weakness sometimes. Um, why they hide weakness. I just don't buy it. You know, and if you're in a church or you're in a religious organization where that's the norm, hiding weakness and just just blanket authority, boo, not a fan, not a fan. If there's one thing I've learned being the porn guy is the power comes from the wound. The power comes from dealing with this stuff that was underneath that was killing me. Not from hiding. I tried to hide and show the good boy and the good Christian everybody. That didn't work. That's not inspired masculinity. That's not going to... Imagine your kid. Your kid sees you trying to put on a show like you're, you're good, but internally you're disorganized. Internally you're compartmentalized. The kid's going to experience the real you. They're not going to experience that fake self that you show people. Inspired masculinity has to, uh, has to recognize weakness and has to recognize that a certain amount of authority, experience, humility comes out of that weakness. Here's another one. Inspired masculinity initiates and gives forms to structures that enable truth. So just back to the discerning truth and commitment to it. Man, the, uh, the, ins- the inspired masculinity actually not only wants the truth to come out, wants to actually, you know, create safe places uh, and structures for that truth to come out. You know, one of the one of the great privileges that I have right now is sitting on rev group calls four times a week in my office. And you know, it's a loose structure. It's a Zoom call. I follow up with emails, I get people set up. I'm there. I'm I'm coaching. But the most exciting thing about those calls is that it's a safe place for the truth and honesty to come out. You know, for guys to get real about what's really capturing their hearts. What's really been going on in their week to let go of the the mask, let go of the the show, 
and just get real. And, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm proud of that structure. I'm proud of a group where the truth comes out. You know, as a Christian, I believe that inspired masculinity comes from being obedient to the Father, meaning being in alignment with God. You know, one of the quotes that Jesus says is, you know, that he, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything that he doesn't see the Father doing. And, um, you know, there's an authority um, that, that you recognize when you're a Christian. You recognize that you're under authority, that you're not just on your own. You're not just taking the lead, speaking whatever you want. That there's, a, there's someone you answer to. So, and at the same time of being obedient and being under authority, you're also present to others. You know, the people in your life, you're called to be with and to, to be there, you know. And uh, I think presence is underrated, you know. I think, you know, a lot of us had dads who were present. They were in the home, but they weren't present. It's like they were close, but they weren't close enough. And so it's not just being under authority. It's not just being a Christian or being, uh, you know, recognizing God or being obedient. It's also about being alive and being present. Finally, you know, uh, inspired masculinity empowers and calls out the truth out of others. So I tell guys all this all the time. If you want to really recover from this, you you need to be involved with other people. You need to help them. You need to get outside of just your own self-concern, your own um, preoccupation with yourself. You need to let go of that. And you need to be empowering and calling out the truth in others. You need to be encouraging people. You know, some guys... Uh, struggle with calling people, you know, or connecting, you know, guys will be like, I don't want to call the guys in my group. I'm going to bother them. But the truth is when you call, even if you're calling for your own need, you potentially empower and call out the truth in others. You have an opportunity to actually speak into someone else's recovery journey when you make the call, even if you feel like you're behind or even if you feel like you're the weak one, when you make the call, that's really what empowers the relationship. That's what that's when a chance for greater truth comes out. You know, if you're having a bad day, a tough day, and you reach out to me, who you don't know what's going on in my world. Maybe that call to me is a lifeline that I'm able to speak truth to something that just came out like, hey, I'm so glad you called. You know, I just had this uh, interaction with a woman at work and I found myself obsessing about her. And I'm so glad that you called right now because it snapped me out of that that fog. Thank you for calling me. Inspired masculinity empowers and calls out the truth in others. Now, where did I get this from? Any guesses? Now, we had Jason George, the Grizz, on the last two weeks, episode uh, 159, 160. Was it Jason George where I got this or some of these ideas? 
Jason George is a great guy. He's inspiring. His whole podcast is about manning up. And so, yeah, there's that, that might be a good guess, but no, it wasn't Jason George. Uh, was it uh, Anthony Bourdain? You know, Anthony Bourdain, this guy, from what I could tell, based on the outpouring on social media and these specials on CNN, I mean, this guy was a great guy. He was going around to Myanmar and all these really unique places in the world. He was telling these incredible stories. He had incredible empathy. You know, he seemed to love people, seemed to have a zest for life. I mean, he, he committed suicide, so we don't know what was going on in his private world. But, but on the outside, man, it sure looked inspired, right? This good-looking guy. I hope I'm that healthy uh, when I'm his age. You know, I'm, I got about 10 years till I'm his age. And it's like, I, I hope I look that good in 10 years. Was that, was that it? Anthony Bourdain? Or I don't know. You know, I once, um, once asked a group of people, I go, who, who are the most inspiring masculine guys you can think of? Like, just, just ask. And, you know, everyone kept coming up with actors' names, like, no one really, there were very few dick winners or just heroes that people pointed to. You know, people started saying things like Nelson Mandela or, um, you know, Denzel Washington. <laughs> I think Denzel Washington uh, won. Uh, I, I, I had a contest where people picked and I think Denzel Washington was the most inspired masculine guy uh, in a group of people. Um but was it Denzel Washington that inspired this? No. I got it from Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I take the stories about Jesus. I take the things that appear in the gospel, the, the, the books of the New Testament that, that, that detail Jesus' life. I take them very seriously. And whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, uh, the stories have some really interesting earmarks. The, the, the accounts of his life show a man who was at peace with women and the feminine. There are many times where he engages with women and treats them with integrity. Even women who were potentially were prostitutes or were in situations where they were... Um, under the power and authority of men who were abusing their power. And Jesus was at peace with them. Jesus engaged them. Jesus loved them in a healthy way. You know, you don't have to go far in the verses of the gospel to see that he was a friend and mentor to men. You know, he had his disciples. He was constantly teaching, engaging. You know, he grew up in a... In a um, in a, um, a Jewish culture where uh, the rabbi would teach, where there was a lot of Socratic or um, teaching by questions and teaching by parable. I mean, he was, you know, he was a friend, but he was also a mentor. Uh, he was emotionally connected and present. You know, he showed empathy. He showed love. Famous verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. You know, he heard that, I think it was Lazarus died. And, 
He, he wept. It's like he was connected to his emotions. He wasn't cut off, compartmentalized. He was kind to children. Let the little children come to me, he said. He said at one point, and I, gosh, I don't know this scripture real well, but there was one point where he says, you know, if any, if any one of you would cause one of these little ones to stumble or to fall, you know, you should, uh, you know, you should throw a millstone around your neck and jump, jump in a lake. Like he took the protection of children very seriously. I said before, you know, he had a relationship with God in the sense that he said, you know, I don't do anything that I don't see the father doing. He was obedient. Uh, Here's another one. He was righteous in anger. There were times he got angry. You know, there was a time where he uh, felt like the, the, the temple was turning into a, a place where there was a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, money practices that were not uh, righteous. And he, uh, he stepped up about that. He stood in authority. There were times that he uh, st- stood up to uh, Pharisees who were, um, you know, not standing in truth or not, not being inspired in their masculinity. Uh, another thing is he showed a lot of strength and weakness. There were times where he uh, didn't fight, where he allowed weakness uh, to be the thing that he led with. And, you know, the biggest thing that he did was he called people into their true identities and purpose. You know, he... Um, he took guys that <laughs> probably the world might have overlooked tax collectors and fishermen and um, and engaged them to a higher calling and purpose and 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 um, and I, and I really feel like you know when I look at my life and again I'm not putting myself on the same plain as you know the writers of the gospels or things like that but you know my recovery and some of the stuff that's happened to me is a direct result of i feel like god engaging my true identity and purpose that the the hopeful thing in in this journey is that my story is actually being redeemed by the work I'm doing now. That my story of weakness and brokenness and all the crap I went through and all the crap I put my wife through now actually serves purpose and meaning as other men are released to be free, to be true in their identities and purposes. As you, right now, listen to this episode, as you hear this, you have the opportunity to reclaim the true masculine that God posited in you. And you have an opportunity to stand in that strength and start to to reflect that truth in a more powerful way. And as you do that, That's where the healing of 
of men and women in your life, sons and daughters, naturally will follow. Masculinity, as we shall see, is not a thing to be learned, but rather a quality to be tasted or experienced. The masculine within is called forth and blessed by the masculine without. So as you celebrate Father's Day this weekend, I want to invite you to think about what's the purpose of me as a dad? What's the calling? What role do I play in my family? Jason George, the Grizz, he did a podcast, a two-part podcast. How do I lead my family? What's your purpose? What's the inheritance that you are leaving your children? What boundaries are you helping them set? What what uh, what things are you doing? And I'm still learning this. I got a 12-year-old boy and a 10-year-old boy. And woo, I got some tough years ahead as I help them navigate. But you know what? I'm in a lot better place than when I was hiding, lying, compartmentalizing, prone to addiction, getting my worth by just what I did, being passive. Avoiding responsibility, I got a better chance because, you know, in my recovery, I've had the, the opportunity to been with men who've called out the good in me, who've called forth the masculine that's in, within me, and uh, it's because they we're walking in inspired masculinity. And I hope to do the same for you today. So think of that this weekend. You were, there's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for you uh, being a man. There's a purpose for the masculinity uh, in your life. And there's gifting in that. And there's calling. So step into that. Step into that true identity and purpose. Now, I owe a debt of gratitude to a couple of mentors here, a mentor that I've met many times, Andrew Kamiski, uh, who I've heard teach about masculinity in the past, and he's an author and uh, a ministry leader who helped a lot. And just some of these ideas come directly from him. And I, I uh, uh, that's, that's one thing I need to point out. Um, a second person is Leanne Payne, who is a mentor I never met, uh, someone who I've just been impacted by her her books. Now, she mentored uh, Andrew Kamiski and Andy Kamiski, and so uh, there's a connection there. Um, And so both of those, I think, have inspired uh, some of this discussion today. And uh, But I just wanted to point that out, that this uh, doesn't all come from me, but it comes from uh, godly uh, men and women who have really walked in recovery, walked in healing with others, and um, have called out the good in others, called out the true masculine in others, and uh, and so I uh, I'm you know hopefully paying it forward by doing that with you today. Well, I want to leave you with a father's song. 
And this is my favorite song from the musical Hamilton. And it's actually performed uh, by Chance the Rapper. Uh, and um, Chance the Rapper, as you might know, is from Chicago. So there's a Chicago music connection, which you know I love. And um, um, so in this song, it's uh, from the perspective of Aaron Burr, uh, singing about his daughter, Theodosia. Uh, and then you'll hear Hamilton come in and um, Hamilton uh, sings about um, um, his son, Philip. So it's really a father song. One father singing about his daughter, his other, the other father singing about his son and talking about the legacy, talking about inheritance, talking about how children, when we have children, it changes us. So as you listen to this song and the words might connect with you, they might not. But listen to the feeling, the feeling of a father who is in love with being a dad, a father who's been changed uh, by parenting a child. And as you think about it, think about you as a dad, think about what you've been called to step into, the awesome and great responsibility you have as a dad. And if you're not a dad yet, uh, maybe there's something for that in the future. Maybe there's a place where you're going to be a father or a father substitute to people in your life. And there's things you're called to do and say and call out the good in others. So think about that. And also, Think about this song from the child's perspective. Think about the love of a father. And if you didn't receive that from dad, from your dad, think about the love of the heavenly father for you. And just experience that. Experience what it feels like to be um, quieted by a father's love. There's a scripture that says that in Zephaniah about being quieted by the Father's love, um, being sung over by a father. So just listen to that and just let that sink in. If there's a fatherless part of you, a place where you're crying out for guidance, where you really feel lost, where you feel alone, where you feel compulsive and convulsive, where you feel self-focused, allow the truth that there's a father who loves you. Uh, to seep into those deep places. Guys, this week, take hope, take action. Be good. Happy Father's Day. Dear Theodosia, what to say to you? You have my eyes, you have your mother's name When you came into the world, you cried And it broke my heart I'm dedicating every day to you Domestic life was never quite my style But when you smile you knock me out, I fall apart 
and I thought I was so smart. You will come of age with our young nation. We'll bleed and fight for you. I'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. I'll give the world to you, and you'll blow us all away. Someday, someday, yeah, you'll blow us all away. Ooh, Philip, when you smile, I am undone. My son, look at my son. Pride is not the word I'm looking for. There is so much more inside me now. Ooh, Philip, you outshine the morning sun. My son, and when you smile. I thought I was so smart. My father wasn't around.